0: So several weeks ago, I was uh, somewhere. I might have, might have been in the grocery store aisle. And, uh, and, 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 and I found out news that, that probably shouldn't have shocked me, but did. Um, I remember thinking about it more than I probably should have. I had learned that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie had filed it for a divorce. Now, now, we laugh because... Well, you know, you and I are probably not really surprised that they got a divorce. I mean, this is uh, this was a, a relationship from the very beginning that was probably uh, doomed to failure. But I thought, uh, I don't know. I mean, they had they had they had gotten married, and I just I hoped for something more. I mean, I was really bummed. I thought maybe, I thought just maybe, they could show the rest of Hollywood, right, what it was like to get married and to stay married. I thought maybe it would happen this time. And I was also reminded that every divorce, every divorce is filled with hurt and heartache and tough times. And maybe I don't even have to look at the grocery store, uh, grocery store tabloid to realize about the hurt and the heartache that happens with divorce. Maybe it just happens to, to visit my own life. If I went through every single person in this room, we probably all could tell stories about how divorce has visited us. I know how divorce has affected me. When I was just one years old, uh, knee-high to a grasshopper, you might say, my parents were divorced. My kids sometimes wonder why I have three grandpas. And yet I know that whether the marriage was two months or two years or 20 years or 40 years... Every divorce is filled with hurt. Every divorce is filled with heartache. Every divorce is overcome by cracks. Every divorce. Every divorce is wrought with wrongdoing. Now the good news is that Jesus meets us in our brokenness. Jesus comes and meets us in our brokenness and moves us along so that we might understand uh, the relational commitment of righteousness. You see, this morning we're going to talk uh, openly, tenderly. I hope about this this tough topic of divorce and marriage. Uh, we're going to look at brokenness and unbrokenness. We're going to look at at division that happens in divorce and and hopefully the the. Well, the non-division, the completion that can happen in, in any kind of marriage. Now, it's important that you hear some of you uh, are squirming in your seat because maybe you've experienced a divorce. And you're thinking, oh man, here it comes. And so I want you to hear, I, I want you to hear from, from me, uh, from the text, but this morning, this isn't about condemnation. This isn't about trying to bring up guilty feelings or shame. This isn't trying to hurt you again and again. That's not what this is about. This is about us trying to align our lives with the righteous requirements in relationship with Jesus. That's what this is about. This morning, this is about us trying to aim and align our lives in righteousness with Jesus. You see, over the last two weeks, we have engaged in this series of Inside Out. And we're talking about just exactly what the series title says. That Jesus is changing us somehow, some way from the inside out. And He's handing us this righteousness to be a community of people that displays righteousness in relational commitment. And he's saying in these first six things, he's saying, hey, I want you to take this righteousness and I want you to be relationally whole with everybody else on a horizontal level. And remember, two weeks ago, we started off with anger and he said, said, it's not just about... He said it's not just about not killing someone he said it's about not being angry and he he drives at the heart of our emotional health. He says, Are you healthy here? Allow the righteousness that God gives you to show up in relational commitment in how you respond to other people emotionally and then he said he said last week, if you were remember remembering he said he said it uh, your relational commitment in this righteousness ought to show up and, and not just not committing adultery, but not lusting. And he drives at the heart of, of sexual purity. And this morning he does the same thing. And he does it over this topic of divorce. You see, one of the things I love about Jesus is that Jesus is never afraid to jump in the big vats, uh, uh, hot giant vats, in fact of human brokenness. And He jumps in with both feet. And he, and he moves us along and tries to get us to understand the need for this righteousness and relational commitment that happens in Him. This morning we're going to talk about divorce. And there's all sorts of questions that, that you and I have when we come to this particular topic. We begin to ask questions like, well, is divorce permissible? I mean, can't people actually get divorced? Does that, does that actually happen in the church? If people can, can get divorced, can they get remarried? What are the consequences for divorce? And what sorts of things should we anticipate? How do we stay married? How do we look the other way? And and not just look at divorce, but how how do we begin to look at staying married? This morning, Jesus begins to answer those questions as we join Him again on a grassy knoll as He sits and He teaches us. Join me in Matthew chapter 5. Join me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. Jesus Jesus is going to answer our questions about marriage and divorce. If you're looking for a Bible in front of you, if you're looking for this passage, it can be found on page 678 in the pew Bibles in front of you. I'll give you a moment to turn there. It has been said that anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery." Is divorce possible? Uh, the words of Scripture seem to say this. Divorce is permissible, but not advisable. Divorce is permissible, but not advisable. Uh, Jesus begins with this idea of, of of a teaching that was taught in his day, it has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Now what, what exactly is this idea of a certificate of divorce? We have to go back. We have to put our, our time helmets on. Go back a ways. Sit in the time of Moses to understand what Jesus is talking about when He talks about those who would give a certificate of Divorce. And if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, the first couple of verses, you'll find that yes, indeed, God did give an opportunity for divorce to take place. And you're thinking, sitting here, God, you know there is no such thing as a good divorce. You know that when people are divorced, it's wrought with hurt and cracks and brokenness. Why would you allow people to get divorced? So imagine yourself. Imagine yourself there in Moses' time and and there is a woman and her name we'll say is Jane. And Jane, she gets married to her husband and they've been married for several years now and they have a, a flock of children. They have a whole bunch of children, they have a little plot of ground that uh, they are going to try and work with their children, but they're all fairly young at this point, point. and Jane's husband decides one day that he's going to go out of town for work. And so he leaves town for work uh, uh, with several of his friends, she knows that he's going to be gone for at least a month, so she's holding down the fort while he's away. Uh, The problem is that when his friends come back, they visit Jane and say, uh, well, he's not coming back. Um, What do you mean he's not coming back? What do you mean he's not coming back? I mean, I have this flock of children. We we have to have him come back. Uh, He's the breadwinner. We need him to go and work in the fields. Uh, This isn't going to work if he doesn't come back. And they say, just quite frankly, well, he's found another woman. And he's gone to another place and married another woman. Now, now, the issue for this particular woman is that in Moses' day, there aren't a lot of professions for women to get into. And so she has a couple of choices. Either she has to find a way to try and manage the ground so that she can eat and have food and she can take it to the market, or she's going to have to probably sell herself into prostitution in order to make things work. If she does get remarried, she'll be called an adulterer. And adultery came with capital punishment. If she managed to remarry and managed to avoid the, the scarlet letter of adultery, her husband could always come back at any time and claim her and her children. So he could wait until they were all grown and available for him so that he could use them in an economic, stabilizing way. He could take them to work on his own farm somewhere else. Do you begin to see the bleak picture? And so in the midst of that kind of environment, God said, I will allow a certificate of divorce. It was to regulate sin. It was to regulate so that she could be safe. It was a safeguard for her so that her husband just couldn't go off and do whatever he pleased. It was so that she could remarry again. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that in Jesus' day, there were those that were teaching That a man could give a woman a certificate of divorce for any and all reason that he chose. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, it says this, If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he can write her a certificate of divorce. And so there were teachers in Jesus' day debating on what indecent meant. And here were some of the answers that they were coming up with. A man can divorce his wife because she spoils a meal. Sorry, ladies. You spoil a meal, you're out. You don't do the laundry quite right and you shrink my favorite sweater, you're out. Right? Right? I had a bunch of friends come over and there, there wasn't enough food, I'm sorry, honey. And we would love to say that the permissions that we give today are much different, wouldn't we? You see, the issue in Jesus' day is that everybody was being given permission for any and all opportunities to divorce their wives. And Jesus says, that's not what God gave the certificate of divorce for and i wonder if on our own day it's the same i wonder if in our own day uh, when we think about divorce what we think about most often is well how can i get divorced and still be okay and we look for all of the possible permissions as to why we might get divorced Jesus is saying, yeah, I I know, divorce is permissible, but it is not advisable. And I want you to notice that Jesus uh, begins to look at some exceptions. Uh, You see, in in, in an overly permissive way, in an overly permissive culture, where divorce was being allowed for any and all reasons, uh, Jesus begins to try and put a stop to the exclusions. And I want you to notice that That he makes very minimal exclusions. Notice the text. He says, Anyone, uh, you've heard that it was said that anyone divorces uh, his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. Now, Jesus here gives one exception. He doesn't give lots of exceptions in a world where all sorts of exceptions were being given. He gives one exception except for marital unfaithfulness. Now, there's all sorts of us in this room that have looked over the the teaching of divorce and all of Scripture, and we find uh, in other places of the Bible that there are other exceptions that are made even by Jesus Himself. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 7 Hey, if if an unbeliever deserts the believer, there's an exception. Uh, here's the point. We can't go looking for exceptions. Uh, Jesus here is not saying everything there is to know about all the exceptions everywhere and always. He recognizes that oftentimes there are vicious things that one person can do to another. And sometimes, very few times, in a very minimal way, there may be an exclusion where divorce is permitted. Let me say that if Jesus were here, and he recognized the brokenness of a marriage already. That the relationship had, had dissolved into nothing because of abuse, because of physical abuse or psychological abuse, verbal abuse. That Jesus would stand and say, There are exceptions but each one of them is to be minimal. The focus here is not that we would find the exception so that we can figure out how to get divorced, but that instead we might figure out how to stay married. If you're in an abusive situation this morning, I want you to hear me say that I don't think that Jesus Himself would say You must grin and bear it. But that the covenant of marriage has been broken. And there may be an exception. But understand understand that Jesus, in talking about divorce, is not looking for us to focus on the exception. He's saying the exception needs to be minimal. Uh, notice, notice again how, how he talks about the consequences being serious. He, he says, except for marital unfaithfulness, he causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, all, all over church history, there has been all sorts of interpretations of these these phrases. What do we do with this? What is Jesus trying to say? Some over the, the course of church history have begun to say, well, oh, well, this is about uh, Jesus saying there is only really one marriage. And after that, if you were to marry again, then all other marriages are really not real. That, that there's one spiritual marriage, and that's your first marriage, and then everything else is null and void. Despite what any civil court might say. There are some that would say that based on Jesus' context, that if you divorced a woman, that you would likely cause her to become a prostitute. That you would cause her to become an adulterer. And that's what these verses mean. I come to these verses and say, Once again, Jesus is shocking us into a reality of a righteousness that he desires for us to follow. Remember the two previous times? Jesus uh, comes right out and says, Hey, hey, if you are lusting last week, if you are lusting, uh, gouge out your eyes, cut off your hands. When he, when he talks about don't murder, He, he says, uh, if you're offering a gift on the altar, remember uh, that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift in front of the altar and go. When we talk about divorce and Jesus talks about the consequences, I think He's just simply trying to say the consequences of divorce are serious. And they're so serious that you ought to think about how it is that you're going to stay married. So how is it that we do that? How is it that we avoid divorce? How is it that we live in this relational commitment of righteousness that Jesus seems to be leading us along to? How is it that we stay married? The other day, I was uh, with Lynn, obviously, and, uh, and I was talking with her, and, and it was one of those really great moments. I, I looked at her and said, you know, I love you. But I said, I don't just love you. I'm in love with you. It, it was wonderful. I thought, man, I'm not, I don't just love you. I'm, I'm in love with you. I called my uh, the in-laws uh, recently and I talked to them on the phone knowing that this message was coming up and, and they've been married 57 years. That's a long time. 57 years. And so I called them I, I, and I talked to each of them uh, separately and I said, hey, Doris, Doris, what, what's a key for you what's been a key for you and Howard over all of these years can you give me can you give me a sign uh, can you give me something that that that, that you would identify uh, that shows the, this kind of commitment over 57 years oh, really without hesitation she goes our faith in the lord i thought wow that's that's great that'll fit really well into my sermon and then I talked to Howard, and I said, hey, Howard, same question. Over 57 years, what would you say is a sign that your heart was changed and that you, you were able to live in this relational commitment with your bride over 57 years? And he goes, "With all, all hesitation, on my love for the Lord. And, and I thought, wow, there it is. You see, again, once again, Jesus is driving at the heart of who we are. He's not just saying, gang, don't get divorced. We all know people uh, that, are terrible, that have terrible broken relationships and yet have stayed married. Uh, Jesus isn't just saying, don't get divorced. He's saying, allow this new commitment to relationship. Drive who you are. He's offering us a righteousness That shows up in our behavior, and that behavior in this case is that we love our spouses. Every book that I've ever read on marriage all says one thing. Every one of them, they all say you have to honor your spouse. Honor your spouse. Honoring your spouse means I am putting my spouse above me. When I walk in the room with Joe Lynn, my spouse, my bride, right? The one that I stood up and and give a vow of commitment to. Uh, Every time I walk in that I have to have something go off in my head that says she is greater than me. And that's hard, isn't it? And so we have to begin to try and say, okay, well, what areas of my life need that kind of commitment to show up? How is it that I can honor her above me? I began to think about that, and I thought, we need to honor each other by being honest. I thought of the vows that we say on on a wedding day. Have you ever gone to like a, a, a you know a, a wedding and, and there's two people up there, there's a bride and a groom, and they've written their own vows. Have you ever have you ever done this? And they've written their vows, and and sometimes these vows are so incredibly sappy, right? It's like I will love you until every drop of the ocean dries up, honey. And you're like, you have no idea what you're saying. I think think maybe we need to begin to be super honest with our spouse that the communication level needs to get honest and gentle so that God's righteousness and this relational commitment with our spouse begins to show up. I wrote new vows. right. Now this isn't me. This is just... John Doe, okay? This is John Doe speaking to Jane Doe on their wedding day. Honest honor to my dearest bride. Today you will say, I will. But before you commit your life to mine, I just want you to know that I'm going to struggle to pick up my clothes. I want you to know that I will misspend more than one paycheck to serve my own interests. My dearest bride, I want you to know that I'm susceptible to temptation and more than once in our married life, you will probably be ashamed that I chose sin. I want you to know that too often I will bring the guys home from work without announcing them to you. I want you to know that, that given enough time, I'm sure uh, to disappoint you. I will come home late too often. And so, if you're willing, I pray you will commit your life to mine and say, I will. Here's my conviction. Sometimes, sometimes, We're stuck in our marriage relationships, but we're really lying to one another. We try and sugarcoat things that are really going on in the inside, and we're not honest. And I wonder if this honor and honesty begins to get at what Jesus is driving at that we would have healthy marriage relationships. I have a daughter. Her name's Lydia. She's going to be turning 10 here soon. And I've told her that she can't get married until she's like 50, 60, maybe never. It absolutely terrifies me that that I would have to walk my daughter down the aisle and, and those words are going to be spoken to me. Who gives this daughter to be married to this man? And I'm thinking, not me. Because I I want the kind of man that's gonna honor my daughter. I want the kind of man that says, I will honor her, not just with honesty, but with sacrifice. I want the kind of man that looks at her and says, she's a princess. I want the kind of man that says, I'm going to make sure she lives in a castle. Are you with me? You understand? And for my son, I want the woman uh, for him that's going to look at him and say, Ah, he is my prince charming. I want him to be the king. When someone comes to marry my daughter, I want him to sing the song by the Proclaimers, 500 Miles. Maybe you've heard it. If I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man, something, something that would fall down (laughs) at your door. And I don't want him to just sing it. I want him to prove it. Start walking. <laughs> you see, I think what Jesus is trying to say is divorce takes a certificate, but marriage takes commitment. And he's saying if you want to live in this kingdom kind of community and display the kind of relational righteousness that Jesus is asking for, then you stay committed. And you honor your spouse above yourself. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your goodness. And I pray, Father, that you'll change us in the midst of these messages That our hearts would change, that we would envelop ourselves in this new kind of commitment that you're asking for. Change our hearts, not just our behavior. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.